1968, eight men were tried for conspiracy to cause a riot at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. This followed a series of violent interactions between the police and protesters who were present to speak out against the Vietnam War and the potential nomination of incumbent Lyndon B. Johnson. In other current events at the time, Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated, resulting in a rash of Chicago riots. According to historian Bruce Ragsdale, the assassination of Robert Kennedy in June, quote, further shocked the nation and complicated the race for the Democratic nomination, and, by August, many Americans believed the nation was in the midst of a profound political and cultural crisis. There had been rumors of mass protests and demonstrations, occupations of the streets by 500,000 supposed rebels, youth spirits, rock minstrels, truth seekers, peacock freaks, poets, barricade jumpers, dancers, lovers, and artists. On the eve of the convention, Chicago Mayor Richard Daley, the U.S. Army, the National Guard, and the FBI placed over 11,000 Chicago PD officers, 6,000 Army troops, 6,000 National Guard members, and nearly 1,000 FBI agents and military intelligence officers on the streets of Chicago. Protesters, journalists, photographers, and bystanders were clubbed and beaten by the police. They were pushed through plate glass windows, and the conflict erupted in violent skirmishes in Grant Park and elsewhere. The National Convention for the Causes and Prevention of Violence prepared a report for President Johnson wherein it was concluded that the police had acted irresponsibly and the violence was declared a police riot. Seven of the defendants in the trial were found guilty of crossing state lines to cause a riot. The defendants and their lawyers racked up a collective 159 counts of contempt. These decisions were reversed, and no further legal action was taken after two separate decisions from a federal appeals court. If you're interested in learning more about the event, I highly recommend the film The Trial of the Chicago 7. While not perfectly historically accurate, the film displays the spirit of that conflict. Needless to say, the DNC was looking to avoid a similar incident the following election cycle in 1972. Activist and delegate Jerry Rubin, a defendant in the 1968 case, went on national television to promise that, quote, 10,000 naked hippies would descend on the convention for nonviolent protests. The convention was held in Miami, while across the street in Flamingo Park, George Jones and Tammy Wynette, alongside hit songwriter Tom T. Hall, performed a country music concert. The activists present at the DNC got more interested in the music than the politics, according to Hall. They left peacefully after the concert was over, and Tom T. Hall retired to the hotel for a quick drink before bed. You're listening to Dig a Little Deeper, the podcast about the hidden meanings in some of the greatest songs in American music and beyond. Disclaimer, I do not own or claim to own any of the music in this episode. Any use of the recordings or lyrics of the song or songs featured herein is protected under fair use for the purposes of education and criticism.
please take a moment to listen to the song for this episode, Old Dogs, Children, and Watermelon Wine, by Tom T. Hall. The 1972 DNC was contentious for a lot of reasons, but an undoubtedly big one was the scene that had been set the previous election in Chicago and the effect it had on the platform of the Democratic Party in 1972. The platform became much more liberal. Activists who had previously been ignored were now given a voice. The official platform adopted was considered one of, if not the, most liberal platforms of any American political party to date. Among the platform elements were liberal and progressive issues like gay rights, feminism, desegregation, and, perhaps most significantly, welfare. Democratic presidential nominee George McGovern's position on welfare included guaranteed jobs for every American, with the government being the employer of last resort. A guaranteed family income that was above the poverty line and labor union-like organizations to represent welfare recipients. Tom T. Hall was a politically-minded songwriter, even considering running for governor himself at one point. This is exemplified in many of Hall's songs, such as America the Ugly and Harper Valley PTA, both of which are pointedly critical of bigotry and hypocrisy in American culture. It is no great leap of logic, then, to assume that the most contentious topics of the 1972 DNC were on Tom T. Hall's mind that night as he sat down in the hotel bar and met the man who would become the subject of one of his greatest hits, Old Dogs, Children, and Watermelon Wine. Let's take a quick listen to a snippet of that first verse again. How old do you think I am, he said. I said, well, I didn't know. He said, I turned 65 about 11 months ago. Now, if you haven't listened to Tyler Mahan Co.'s podcast, Cocaine and Rhinestones, go and listen to the episode on Tom T. Hall. In that episode, he says that there's something interesting in this song that even Tom didn't recognize when the song was written. The old man says, I turned 65 about 11 months ago. It only occurred to Tom T. later that this meant that the man he was speaking with was retirement age. And yet, here he is, a porter, or janitor, if you prefer, in a hotel bar. It's not the most glamorous of positions. It's not the sort of job that you would do if you didn't have to. So this man is retirement age, and he's working a dead-end job, essentially at a hotel. That means that he's probably of low socioeconomic status, or in other terms, he's poor. And Tom recognizes this, follows it up with the line, I was sitting in Miami pouring blended whiskey down. In order to fully understand this line, you have to know something about whiskey. Single malt whiskey is made and bottled in one distillery. A blended whiskey is made from two or more whiskeys, where single malt is made from water and malted barley. Blended whiskey is made with malt whiskey mixed with other grain whiskeys. It's not as refined a product, and therefore, it's more affordable. So right away, there's a comparison between the socioeconomic status 
of the old man serving as a janitor at the hotel and Tom T. Hall himself, who is a successful touring musician, but still has to drink blended whiskey because it's the affordable option. Not only that, but this is not a particularly fancy hotel. They sell blended whiskey, the man watching the bar is distracted by the television, and the janitor is striking up random, unwanted conversations with the hotel guests. Uninvited, he sat down and opened up his mind on old dogs and children and watermelon wine. Old dogs, children, and watermelon wine. Three things which a person could enjoy no matter their socioeconomic status. In fact, you're more likely to enjoy watermelon wine if you can't afford something nicer. The old man asks Tom T. Hall if he's ever had a drink of watermelon wine. In a way, he's asking if maybe Tom T. has the same economic background that he has. He's trying to connect. He doesn't wait for Tom T. to respond, though. He goes ahead and tells him how he feels about it. Ain't but three things in this world that's worth a solitary dime but old dogs and children and watermelon wine. So for the old man, it is about money and his relationship with it and what things are actually worth holding on to in life. You'll notice that he doesn't include money in the list of things that are worth something. A dime is not worth a dime. Old dogs, children, and watermelon wine are worth that and so much more. The old man goes on to say, Women think about themselves when menfolk ain't around, and friends are hard to find when they discover that you're down. So, women aren't on the list of things worth anything, but neither are men. Women are concerned with themselves, according to the old man, but men, men are concerned with money and whether or not you have enough of it in order to be worth their time. But after a life of financial hardship and what appears to be no small amount of heartbreak and misfortune, the old man finds that he gets the most pleasure from the simplest things in life. Old dogs, children, and watermelon wine. Old dogs care about you even when you make mistakes. God bless little children while they're still too young to hate. At first, Tom's not really paying attention to what the man has to say. Have you ever had a drink of watermelon wine, he asked. He told me all about it, though I didn't answer back and uninvited, he sat down. So, what was it that changed his mind? Well, he heard the man describe his whole life within those three things that he valued. He painted a picture of his background, and then he walks away. And Tom T. Hall recognizes something of value in those three things, that there's more to life than money and status, and that maybe we're better off valuing the simple things. And it's likely he sees himself in the old man in this moment, having grown up with low socioeconomic status himself. I 
So he picks up his pen and he copies down that line about old dogs, children, and watermelon wine. And watermelon wine. And so, with a good song idea on his mind, Tom T. Hall heads back up to his room to get some rest before catching a flight the next morning. But he steals one last glance, and it's an important one, when he sees the old gray black gentleman picking up his change. The change that he left behind at the bar, presumably as a tip. Maybe for the bartender, or maybe it was meant for the old man. Either way, it shows us that Tom T. Hall, when he wrote the song, was aware of the man's socioeconomic status, that he intended to highlight the man's financial situation. So we're meant to hear the song as a juxtaposition between the man's financial wealth, or lack thereof, and his wealth of wisdom. But why those three things, old dogs, children, and watermelon wine. What particular benefits do they confer? Well, he's already said that old dogs represent forgiveness. Forgiveness for the mistakes that you make, not just from the people around you, but an attempt to forgive yourself, maybe. Children are valued for their innocence, their lack of ability to hate. They haven't formed biases, and no doubt, The 1968 riots were on Tom's mind. People's hatred and implicit biases were on full display during the trial. Activist and Black Panther Bobby Seale was one of the original defendants in the trial, though his case was declared a mistrial, which is no surprise after Judge Hoffman had him bound and gagged in court. The case had a lot of public interest. And anyone who kept up with current events would have been aware of those circumstances. If you don't think that's the sort of thing that Tom T. Hall would focus on in a song, go listen to Wash My Face in the Morning Dew or America the Ugly. And then there's watermelon wine or blended whiskey. It really doesn't matter. The point is that there's an escape for impoverished people. Substance abuse and poverty go hand in hand. According to the St. Joseph Institute for Addiction, poverty increases stress and feelings of hopelessness while decreasing self-esteem and social support as well as access to health care. All of these factors increase the risk of addiction or reliance on substances. It should come as no surprise, then, that these are the things that a poor man values. Forgiveness, acceptance, innocence, and escape. There are a lot of different types of songs out there, but the best ones touch on something deeper, something that's universally true. It can be a human experience, something that captures our imagination, something that makes us sad or brings us joy. A songwriter doesn't even have to be aware that they're doing it at the time of writing the song. Tom T. Hall saw something of himself in the old man who was cleaning the lounge. He saw a struggle, a common struggle, 
that he shared with a wise man who, as it turns out, valued the same things that he valued. So Tom T. Hall plays a concert at the Democratic National Convention where there's a contentious argument over welfare. And then he retires to the hotel bar for a nightcap and is given a piece of sagely advice by a poor, older black gentleman who has distilled his life down into three significant elements. The next day on the plane, Tom T. Hall writes one of his most famous songs on a barf bag and then records it in the studio the moment he lands in Atlanta. So the 1968 DNC fiasco births a liberal platform in the 1972 election. The 1972 election's platform sparks a controversy about welfare and who should have a voice. And Tom T. Hall meets a man who is representative of those struggles. He saw himself in the man, and he wrote down those lines because they were true to him. And little did he know at the time, they were true to everyone. If you don't believe me, take a look at the record sales on Old Dogs, Children, and Watermelon Wine. That night I dreamed in peaceful sleep of shady summertime of old dogs and children and watermelon. Dig a Little Deeper is produced by the Carter County Public Library, connecting Carter County. You've been listening to Dig a Little Deeper, the podcast about the hidden meanings in some of the greatest songs in American music and beyond. This podcast was made possible by the Carter County Public Library and listeners like you. Thank you and look forward to the next installment of Dig a Little Deeper. Dig a Little Deeper was also made possible by the Olive Hill Chamber of Commerce, leading the way in sustainable business practices and community events in Olive Hill. If you enjoyed this episode featuring Tom T. Hall, please visit the Olive Hill Depot, open Thursday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and located on Railroad Street in Olive Hill, Kentucky. The depot houses a spectacular collection of Tom T. Hall memorabilia as well as displays on many other local heroes. While you're there, say hello and thank you to our Chamber of Commerce leadership and sign the guest book sporting names from visitors from all over the world. Olive Hill Strong, 